The Print Files, where we bring you the inside story on the printing industry by Print21, the people who know print. Good day and welcome to the latest episode of It's Been a Big Month in Print, the podcast for the Australian New Zealand print industry from the print files here at Print21, where we dig deep into the big issues impacting the industry each month. I'm Wayne Robinson, editor of the Print21 Media Hub. And I'm Lindy Hewson, publisher of Print21 and of PKN Packaging News. And the, those industries are very lucky to have you, Lindy. Well, thank you, Wayne. Way too kind, of course. So too are they lucky to have you. But let's get over the, the fandom. Let's look at printing. Printing, of course, is a multi-sector business with opportunities and threats on all sides. We're going to start this month's industry podcast by looking at a tale of two printers, one expanding in a major way, the other fighting liquidators. Now, printers here, Wayne, often bemoan the small market size because, of course, of our relatively small population and the huge distance between cities. The East Coast of the USA, by contrast, has 120 million people living close together and in the big centers of New York, Philadelphia, Washington, well, they jammed in. Now, that is a dream market for any growth-focused Australian print business and one that is being realized by a Sydney-based sign printing operation. Give us the story, Wayne. Yeah, yeah, well, Linda, this is a great story uh, and an inspiring story. Uh, for any print business, that market, as you say, on the east coast of America, 120 million people, uh, it's a it's a huge market. And the Sydney-based signage business, Easy Signs, is opening a manufacturing operation uh, there in Pennsylvania. This is off the back of three years of successfully exporting to North America. They've had a website where they've been selling their wares, particularly fabric signage, uh, manufacturing here in Australia, exporting it. Uh, now they're going to build a whole new production plant over there. They're factoring in, in an investment of $2.8 million for the business. A uh, new plant located, I say, in Pennsylvania, 6,700 square meters of floor space. It'll kind of mirror the plant that they have here now in southwest Sydney, Smeaton Grange, although the plant over there will eventually have 130 staff, which is double the number they've got here. So obviously big plans for it. Uh, hiring is beginning this month, soft launch. Uh, next month in May, full launch in July. Uh, Steph Talty, who's the operations manager here in Sydney, she's moving over there to manage the startup. Um, Andy Fryer, one of the partners there, told me that the site was chosen for its proximity to multiple large um, population centres. A rapid turnaround is part of the uh, core offering, core proposition of the company. said, Easy Signs didn't exist really 16 years ago. These two guys, the two guys who owned it, Andy Fryer and Adam Parnell, uh, they were in the next door unit of a small industrial estate. Uh, they got to know the guy running the business, is a one-man band. They bought it off him and they really developed that business over the years. Focus on customer-centric propositions. They're really, really customer-focused. When you phone up the company, you'll get an immediate impression of that. They've gone for online ordering, 24-hour turnaround, quality product, and now they're moving from Sydney, or they'll stay in Sydney with this place, but they're opening 15,000 kilometers away in the USA. Um, a terrific story. Well, that's, that's a bold move, if you ask me, but it is an inspiring story indeed. Now, I know the US has been a happy hunting ground for some Australian packaging businesses to date, Amcor famously, of course, as well as Aurora 
which actually has a significant sign and display print operation over there. And we recently spoke to um, Brian Lowe, the CEO, on the PKN podcast. Um, and really, they're going gangbusters. More recently, digital flexible converting and printing company OF Packaging, which is part of the recently listed Close the Loop group, has announced that it will be opening an operation in Kentucky. And this will be linked to the Close the Loop resource recovery business that's already in place. And by establishing OF Packaging USA, this opens the door to OF Packaging's other operations to supply digitally printed flexible packaging um, into that market. So it's a win-win all round. It is a great situation or great opportunity in North America, the US. Uh, I mean, Andy Fry was telling me that in Texas, they actually give you free land if you're going to start a business there. Uh, and the, where they are in Pennsylvania, which, of course, they've gone for the dense population, which Texas doesn't really have, um, they have nonetheless received significant financial aid from the authorities over there, the, a $225,000 grant, a $75,000 workforce development grant, a million-dollar loan through the Pennsylvania Industrial Development Board, and they've been encouraged to apply for the department's manufacturing tax credit program. So there are, if you are a print business in Australia, New Zealand, if you have vision, if you believe your products will sell over there, there is a lot of incentive and assistance. Andy Fry told me it's hard work to get the to get the business to the state where they, we got to, but he said we have had a lot of assistance. Yeah, it's often um, very much about knowing what grants are available. The same applies even to businesses here in Australia because there's a lot of money being thrown at um, manufacturing in Australia, and um, it's a good. It's advisable, really, to try and get some advice if you don't know what's out there in the grant department. Well, now we have to turn to an altogether darker tale, and that of the printing company Sydney Allen, which until it collapsed six years ago, was one of the core offset print businesses in Sydney. Now, Wayne, we've had a bit of an update this week. What can we learn from the Sydney Allen experience? Yeah, this is a story and a half, Lindy. Sydney Allen, as you say, was one of the big offset printing companies in Sydney. It collapsed six years ago, which obviously is a not inconsiderable amount of time, $7.6 million. Um, the liquidators uh, came in, they sold the business to uh, Print Warehouse, Mark Shergill's company. And then since then, they've been going over the coals. People I've spoken to have got various words for liquidators, none of which can be printed in a family magazine. Um, and you may say, what's happening six years later? Well, the story here is the Attorney General's Department has been funding the liquidator to the tune of $810,000 because the attorney, the, the government had to pay out $1.3 million in employee entitlements under its Fair Employment Guarantee Scheme, FEG, uh, which it basically has to pay all the entitlements when a company goes bust with no money. Obviously, the, the Attorney General's Department believes the money is there somewhere and it has appointed the liquidator to chase into it. And six years later, he's now said he's going to take the directors to court. That's uh, John Mangos, director of Sydney Allen Printing, and uh, Chris Wallace, director of Sydney Allen Manufacturing, of which John Mangos is also a director. He's going to take them to court and claim they were trading while insolvent. And he's going to try and get millions of dollars back. In fact, the liquidator is saying creditors could get up to unsecured creditors who owed $4.3 million, could get up to 57 cents in the dollar back. Sounds a lot to me, but a lot of numbers in this story sound a lot to the casual observer. It's a tough story because John Mangos, Chris Wallace, uh, many people in the Sydney print circles that I spoke to think, well, they were just you know ordinary guys trying to run a business in difficult times. 
that got into trouble. There's an added complication to this story because Macmillan Investment Holdings, owned by a well-known industry identity or backed by, came into the business. Uh, the liquidator says as a shadow director, uh, so he, and he's now also taking those directors to court on the same trading while insolvent basis. But it's a it's a tough story uh, and one that uh, for directors of print businesses is a kind of a, a warning story. If you feel that you're trading while insolvent, and the basic definition of that is you're taking on more debt while unable to pay the current debts that you have, uh, you really need to take professional advice because you can get in serious trouble for doing that. As uh, this case is shown, what will happen to court, we don't know. But the liquidator wouldn't be taking them to court if he didn't think he had a chance of getting a result or a good chance of getting a result because obviously there's significant costs involved in that. And what do you think of preferential payments? Uh, that's a great question, Lindy. Preferential payments. Uh, this has been driving printers and uh, suppliers to Sydney Allen nuts. Um, the, the basic story of preferential payments is that a liquidator can turn to a supplier of a company that's in liquidation and that, that supplied that company in the six months prior to its liquidation date and demand the, the money that the liquidated company paid to the supplier be returned. So, for instance, I can, I can be a printer uh, working for another printer because printers use each other all the time for specialist jobs. I can uh, be asked to supply a job. I can do that job. I can supply it. I can send an invoice. I can get paid. All legitimate, across the board, regular, no question, you know, regular story, do a job, get paid. But if that company has got, goes bust within six months of that invoice, the liquidator can turn around and say, you've got to pay me that money back. And you, as the supplier, you basically don't have a leg to stand on. Preferential payments uh, legislation was set up initially to help um, or to stop companies that are going bust sending all the money that they had out to friends and family uh, on inflated invoices. Uh, but in many cases, it's used by liquidators to get as much money as they can. And certainly printers that I've spoken to are fuming and furious uh, that they've had to be in this situation. So controversial, Lindy, is uh, an understatement for um, preferential payments. Well, when last month we discussed supply, another sticky subject, and particularly paper supply, with the shipping crisis, we had spoke about the strike at UPM, both of which are still ongoing, and now, a month in, we still have the war in Ukraine. Will paperboard and label stock supply be maintained in our region? Uh, well, in a word, Lindy, good news, yes, it will. Uh, I've spoken to both David Martin at Spices and Tony Bertrand at uh, Ball and Doggett, uh, who both tell me that uh, they will be able to maintain supply despite the uh, unprecedented uh, pressures that uh, supply is under right now. All those things, any one of those things on its own, a shipping crisis, war in the Ukraine, UPM, huge $10 billion a year paper maker, which uh, supplies much stock to Australia, on strike for now 83 days um, or yeah, almost three months. Um, any one of those would be big. All three of them together is really big. But the paper suppliers say, we don't just get paper from Europe, of course. They source paper from Asia, from North America, uh, from other places. And both of them are confident, both the major suppliers, are very confident that they'll be able to keep supply up. They do say, uh, unfortunately, prices are likely to rise, almost certain to rise. And they do say also that uh, print print businesses will need to show some flexibility. In other words, if you've been used to getting a certain brand of a certain grade, 
uh, that brand may not be available, but they do say that they will supply alternate grades that are have the same performance and same properties. So as far as the customer is concerned, it's the same. Uh, but the printers may need to show a bit of flexibility. But unfortunately, yeah, the upshot is uh, prices will go up, uh, but uh, paper will be supplied. Yeah, well, I was speaking to Tony Bertrand just the other day about the paperboard side of things for the packaging industry. And there, the Ball and Doggett is actually sitting pretty because a large um, amount of the paperboard that they source comes from Fakatani Mill in New Zealand, supplying Australia and New Zealand region and, and regions beyond, in fact. And we had, we spoke with the, the mill. We had Brett Keane on the podcast just last week on the PKN podcast, just talking about exactly that. And, um, Yes, the price increases, um, shipping challenges, these are going to be order of the day. Tony Bertrand tells me that there's not a day that goes by that he doesn't get a notification of some sort on, on any one of those particular fronts. So, yes, challenging times ahead, but at least good news that um, with a bit of flexibility, we will have the supply that we need. So we're going to move on to looking at the newspaper sector now, which has had a torrid time since COVID came to our shores two years ago, with newspaper closures in three figures. Now Australia's only remaining newsprint mill, the Norskaskog plant in Tasmania, wants to hike its prices by at least 30%. Is that realistic, Wayne? And what will it mean for the newspaper industry? A 30% rise is, uh, is a challenge for any business uh, for, for some of their supply. Uh, Norsky Skog says that uh, it has to, uh, Norsky Skog's parent in Norway has basically told it, you've got to make a profit. Um, Norsky Skog's mill here in Tasmania has uh, been suffering or been in competition for years with cheap Asian imports. Uh, but those days are coming to an end, partly because of the shipping crisis, partly because of all the other crises that are going on. Um, so Norsky Skog is now the major supplier for newsprint to Australian and New Zealand news, newsprint users, newspapers. Um, they uh, need, those newspapers need Norsky Skog as much as Norsky, need the Norsky Skog mill in Boyer as much as Norsky Skog needs them as customers. Because to find alternate supply in these times uh, would be very difficult. So it, they, in, in essence, the customers, the newspapers, will have to pay that uh, rise and they'll then have to turn to their customers, their advertisers, uh, and ask them to stump up the extra cash. What the advertisers will say, well, that's a moot point. The uh, ACM, the, country, the country's largest publisher, manager at Tony Kendall, thinks it will be the end of several uh, of his group's newspapers, which he says are already teetering on the edge. He thinks that any price rise will see them go over the edge. Um, ACM, of course, biggest regional publisher in the country. What it means for the major companies, the, the, the uh, Nine Entertainment, which used to be Fairfax, uh, News, uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. But certainly uh, any 30% rise is tricky. Newsprint is the biggest single cost for news, newspaper publishers, so it could be a very difficult situation. Well, let's turn to some good news then for print. According to Roy Morgan Research, magazine consumption is on the rise, with readership of all but three of Australia's top 25 magazines rising in the past year. Is this good news for print, Wayne, or is the devil in the detail? Uh, no, it's good news for print. More magazines published means more um, more time on the presses, more paper being used. Uh, so it is good news. And it's great to see, obviously, uh, old school uh, media platforms, magazines, have uh, been under threat from new school uh, media platforms, the internet. 
but it seems the nation's appetite for magazines uh, it remains undimmed, and and these figures say would say, and Roy Morgan, of course, highly respected. These figures, which is, suggest, is growing. Magazines are changing, of course. The the uh, of the three that uh, three magazines that showed a decrease in uh, circulation, two of those were the big gossip magazines, New Idea and Take Five, and obviously. You know, if you if you can watch what the Kardashians did last night, why would you want to read about what they did last month? But the magazines that are growing strongly are the uh, lifestyle and home renovation magazines. So the paid-for magazines, Better Homes and Gardens, uh, that saw a strong growth in circulation in, in print run. The uh, two biggest magazines in the country belong to the two supermarkets, Coles and Woolworths with its Fresh magazine. 1.8 million copies of the Coles magazine are printed, 1.7 million, 75 million copies of Fresh. And the Christmas edition of Fresh, 2.5 million copies. They're fantastic runs. Uh, Coles printed by Ive, Fresh by Obato. So um, both those both those businesses uh, uh, love those magazines. But as you say, Lindy, 22 of the top 25 magazines in the country saw an increase in print run, in circulation in print run over the past year. Possibly due to the fact that COVID, maybe people are spending more time at home. We'll have to see now that COVID's receding, whether that remains to be the case this year. But yeah, very good news for the industry. And of course, we all need good news. We certainly do. So magazines are doing well. Newspapers a little under pressure. What about labels? Well, labels are doing best of all, of course. Uh, COVID saw the demand for labels skyrocket because of all the hand sanitizers. I was talking one printer at Label House um, this week. Yeah, he printed 6 million meters of uh, COVID labeling hand sanitizer. Uh, biggest job he's had for some time, as you can imagine. And he wasn't alone. Many print, many label printers uh, did really well out of COVID. Um, the uh, OMET, Mark, I was talking with uh, Curry, Mark Dawes, uh, OMET presses, which are the traditional flexo presses, He's installed four of those this year. Uh, the first new Canon label stream, which is the Canon digital press that's now, now being sold by James Rodden, Rodden Graphics. The first one of those is about to go in, um, and that's into a traditional label printing business. Uh, Oki, which sells a effectively a tabletop or a desktop uh, machine, so other end of the scale from the Canon and the OMET, uh, but they, they are selling those into small digital printers, digital print businesses, such as Generate in Walls End, They've just put one of those in to cater for local businesses, maybe uh, making their own honey or craft beer, this kind of thing. So labels now is an opportunity for printers of all kinds, and labels will only grow uh, because of the dynamics of personalization, uh, population growth, growth in craft activities, craft uh, food, food and drink. So uh, yeah, labels is definitely a good business to be in. Well, another a business that's taken a bit of a beating during COVID, um, but it's, is making a slight comeback now, slowly but surely, and more more surely now, um, is the events industry. And my diary is starting to fill up, and awards events are coming back, and so are exhibitions. So let's talk about awards first, Wayne. Uh, yeah, awards are back. They're a staple of any industry, and uh, our industry, Lindy, is no exception to that. There's awards uh, well, there's lots of different awards, which um, the the uh, rationale for them is to be debated. But nonetheless, they're always great events to go to. Uh, it's great to see uh, companies, printers rewarded for their work, uh, to be able to celebrate in front of their peers, their friends, their rivals. Um, I was at the uh, FPLMA Awards last month. Uh, now, uh, the Real Media Collective 
They are rolling their awards for last year and this year into one awards, one gala events dinner, which is event which is back on, which will be in September. Uh, the HP Asia Pacific Inspiration Awards, formerly the Awards of Excellence, uh, they're back. They'll be taking place in May. Um, and these are just some examples of the many awards that are coming back. They're all great evenings uh, and great to see them. And the networking opportunities, of course, are uh, terrific. Yeah, well, I think it's a great thing to have awards of any scale to um, allow businesses to get the validation that in many instances they wouldn't otherwise get and that they really do deserve to um, encourage innovation in an industry, to encourage leadership and certainly sustainability efforts. Now, let's look at exhibitions. We've got a few coming up that are um, exciting and a couple that um, have ground to a halt. So let's go. Yeah, well, last month, uh, Label Expo suddenly cancelled its exhibition two months out, which, as you can imagine, from an exhibitor point of view, was uh, not not the news they wanted to hear because many of those plans will have been well underway. Uh, the organiser claimed that uh, the war in Ukraine was the final nail that tipped it over the edge. Uh, shipping, they said, meant it was difficult for overseas uh, companies as uh, overseas outside of Central Europe uh, to get their product to or to guarantee to get their product uh, to Brussels on time. Uh, so the show was canned. Um, several big companies had already decided quietly that they weren't going to be there actually. And that obviously had something to do with it as well. Um, but uh, some of the exhibitors have uh, basically carried on. Uh, Zycon is going to have a uh, Zycon Cafe in the week that Label Expo would have been. Uh, Durst is going to have an open house in exactly the same week that it would have been, and possibly we'll see more of those as well. Um, FESPA, the big wide format exhibition, that's still slated to go ahead in Berlin, which is actually much closer to Ukraine, obviously, than uh, Brussels. That's still slated to go ahead at the end of May. And uh, I was at the um, FESPA, local FESPA Australia event in Sydney a couple of weeks ago, or last week, actually. And uh, a lot of people are really looking forward to going. Uh, the industry hasn't been able to go to a big wide format event since 2019, which is three years ago now. Uh, so they're looking forward to that. Of course, we have OSPAC coming up here uh, just a month after next in May. Uh, and then PackPrint is looking good. The forums have just been announced. They'll be back. Exhibitors are uh, starting to impress with what they'll be showing there. Exhibitions are an integral part of any industry and uh, one that we really hope this year uh, gets season gets uh, back into uh, life in the printing industry. Yes, that's really good to hear. And I'm certainly looking forward to our local shows in Melbourne. And we all want exhibitions to return for print business owners and managers because they are unbeatable as places to check out new technology, to really interact with clients and with suppliers. And these are the things that help us drive our businesses forward. Well, Wayne, I think that's about it for this time. Um, thanks to everyone for attending and listening to It's Been a Big Month in Print. We value your feedback as always. And now it's time for me, Lindy Houston, to say goodbye. Well, thanks, Lindy. Yep, it's always a big month in print. They're, they're very big stories that we've been talking about today. Uh, there's lots more, of course, going on all the time. Make sure you go to print21.com.au uh, to read all those stories in uh, detail, many, many more stories. Uh, but for now, from me, Wayne Robinson, editor of Print21, it's time to say goodbye. The Print Files podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Print21, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Print21, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. 
If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact Print21 via their website, that's print21.com.au, or send an email to editor at print21.com.au. You can subscribe to the print files via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on the printing industry at print21.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.